Welcome back to another episode on Coffee with Craner. Today, I'm joined by Mark Galvin. Uh, if you don't know Mark, he's the CEO of Your Quick Gateway, and otherwise known as the Windsor International Airport, um, the only airport in Windsor-Essex serving the Windsor-Essex community. Uh, previously, he was also uh, Director of Planning, Development, Legislative Services at the Town of Amherstburg, um, many, many roles in the community, uh, Director of Plazas at the Windsor-Detroit Bridge Authority, also the general manager of the Windsor Detroit Tunnel Corporation. So he's really dealt with a lot of international trade cross-border issues in the community. And on top of that, uh, by trade, he's a civil engineer and also a lawyer, two-time alumnus graduating from the University of Windsor. Uh, many, many qualifications in law, engineering, and also with uh, building management and being a building official. So Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining. Uh, thank you so much, Lynn. And I guess after that uh, just, uh, introduction, maybe we should just end it because I don't know if I can improve there. Um, but it's a it's a pleasure to be here. 49th guest. I'm, I'm honored to be your 49th. I can always say I'm not 50. I don't know if my hair will give that away. But uh, no, it's, it's a pleasure. And I've, I've watched you uh, a number of times. And uh, again, I, I look forward to this. It's, uh, it's uh, something I've looked forward to since you asked me to do it. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate that. Um, my first question, you probably know it, um, where near your quick gateway, favorite place to get coffee. And I see that you have a, a coffee with Craner mug with you today. I, I do. I do. Uh, you know, proudly supporting. Um, I, I mean, I guess there's two things. I'm a Tim Hortons guy, but uh, Anchor Coffee and, I, and what I have in my cup tonight is uh, Chance, Chance Roasters. Um, and it's Guatemalan and because it, it said Butterfinger. And uh, so that, that basically had me sold. And and it does have notes of Butterfinger, particularly if I dunk a Butterfinger in it. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good, it's a really good blend. And uh, so I like Anchor Coffee, but I'm also a Tim Hortons guy. Um, you know, I've, I've been for, for many years. So. You have to keep it Canadian, right? And I, I love Chance Coffee as well. It's, it's my favorite. Anchor, like you mentioned, great place to visit for some premium coffee. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Mark, first question. You mm -hmm. graduated with law and also an engineering degree. How have those degrees been really beneficial at the airport? Well, yeah, we're a heavily regulated organization, you know, federally regulated. And most of the places I've actually been have been either regulated, you know, heavily regulated in the municipality or in terms of the tunnel also federally. Um, so certainly that from a compliance perspective, the law degree helps. Um, the engineering, um, I have a transportation specialty. In fact, I have a PTOE as well. So um, obviously, I, I've always looked for ways to marry those two degrees. And, and that's my whole career. I've looked for that. Um, I did my engineering degree first, and then I got accepted to law school. And uh, I looked for that pairing um, so I could kind of see things from different perspectives. You know, engineering teaches you um, certainly to think one way, and I think law teaches you another way. Um, and I've always wanted to kind of marry those two degrees. And, and throughout the course of my career, I've tried to find those opportunities where I can use both um, because I, I worked for both, and, and I, I wanted to be able to use them. And I think that brings value to the corporation as well. Um, when you have a couple different perspectives or you can bring a couple different things. And so I do have a law background. I have an engineering background as well. So I can go into those meetings with some knowledge capital um, and bring that to the table. Did you ever think you would you go into engineering after you got the degree or you just, you knew you wanted to go into law? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, I looked at a couple different things. I looked at doing an MBA. Um, I actually looked to go to medical school at one point too. Um, I was always looking to, to try and see what could I pair together. Um, and then, uh, you know, I took the LSAT and I got accepted. And, you know, once you get accepted, uh, you know, you're, you're in rarefied air because they have so many applicants. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I went to law school and I practiced law in Toronto I, at Gowling's. And, 
Um, I found that the marriage um, can work well if you find the right opportunities that do that. And that's where it comes down to what one of the things that I always preach is to have sort of your personal scorecard of what you like to do, um, what you like to, what you want to achieve. And, and that can change at times. Um, certainly it has for me. Um, but again, I think there's a lot of pressure, particularly when you're starting out in your career, like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, and I think that's a bit unfair. I, I think the reality is it's, it's not so much about having that answer, but I think you have to answer yourself the right questions and develop that personal scorecard that you keep revisiting and say, okay, so when I have an opportunity, is this going to tick as many boxes for me as I can? Um, and because really, you, you know, life's not a dress rehearsal and, and you, you want to try to have an impact and you want to have some sort of legacy and you want to enjoy what you do. Um, so that's why I've always looked for opportunities so I could use both ends of the of the ac academia that I that I, I got from University of Windsor. I can't hear you. I'm back on. But yeah, I, I appreciate that advice, and especially around um, a scorecard. Like I, that was a, a second question I actually had is like figuring out what you want to do, and you not knowing, and especially wanting to maybe go into medical school. Um, it is hard for students. It's hard to figure out what's after university, what's what's life looking like, and um, that scorecard advice. I mean, that's that's perfect. We we definitely appreciate that. Well, I, I think you have to be you have to kind of look at it. Um, a number of times along your career path because that will change you know what interests you and sometimes it's about asking yourself the right question and i think knowing yourself is just the greatest gift you can have to know okay so what do i like what do i don't like what do i do what i you know what do i like to do what do i not like to do um and and really that scorecard can change for you and uh and it's important to revisit it particularly when you're not under any pressure to do so when you've got an opportunity and you're trying to do it at that point, it's going to be a little more difficult. You're under a bit of pressure. So when you do it, when there's no pressure, you can kind of relax and say, okay, let me, let me kind of take a look at this. And it can even be a physical scorecard to say, you know, what do I like to do? Um, because the answers will reveal themselves if you ask yourself the right questions. Mm -hmm, definitely. Uh, so previously, I mean, we talked earlier and you've done many roles, many prominent roles in the community, uh, Windsor, Detroit tunnel, uh, Windsor Detroit Bridge Authority, working at the town of Amherstburg, um, many, many places. What skills have you really been able to bundle up from those unique opportunities you've had now at uh, the airport? Yeah, I think I think the first thing you have to, when you, you embark on your career and you go through a career is you, you have to uh, embrace the fact that each position is going to shape you. Every, every decision you make is going to shape you. And they're not always going to be they're always going to work out the way you thought they'd work out. You know, sometimes there'd be something that you thought it was going to be something and it's not, um, but you're gaining knowledge. And I think that's the most important thing is that each of these things define who you're going to be um, good and bad. And sometimes you have to embrace the bad too. Um, and, and, you know, we've had, I've, I've had a lot of uh, issues, you know, um, through, through different jobs. Obviously we're in a pandemic at an airport. I mean, you know, like you can't get any, any more difficult, you know, someone who took this job over and I had about four weeks of normalcy and then the world changed. But there's an old sort of adage of smooth waters never made good sailors. And that's the truth. I mean, you have to go through those choppy waters to learn how to get through the next one. And then you start to lean on that sort of that foundational experience that you have to say, okay, I've done this before. How do I approach this? You know, sometimes your response to the problem can be more important than the problem itself, or at least as important. Because you have to say, okay, so let's get your team together. How do we deal with this problem? You know, uh, let's get all the input we need and then let's get a path forward. Um, and I think that's, that's really, you know, the skills that, that I've brought, have, every, every place I've gone, I've learned something from. And, you know, that, that idea that 
getting out of your comfort zone, which is sort of like, but really when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where the real growth is. Um, and, and, and it's tough sometimes. It's not easy. This last year has not been easy, but we've had to adapt. And we've had to be flexible. And we've had to understand that this is going to change. The circumstances are going to change sometimes daily. So that idea of embracing those, you know, good and bad and, and learning those skill sets and hone the skill sets and take as much from, from that experience as you can and apply it, you know, apply it and keep adding to that sort of uh, um, experience uh, framework and experience foundation so that you can draw on those things. And, um, you know, that's going to make you better in the future and a better leader and better for your corporation or for whatever you find yourself. So you've been at the airport for one, two years now. Is it, is it over over a year? It was a year, January thirteenth. So yeah, it's it's uh, here in a couple a couple months. So I, I would imagine um, you've experienced some type of growth being at the airport. What has that growth been for you? Well, um, you know, one of the things that we we had to do when the pandemic started. Um, you know, I can remember the first call I got about the coronavirus and I had to Google it because we didn't really know, um, you know, it, it, it's uh, it, and it was an education at that point. And, and obviously the Far East had just started dealing with it, um, you know, but we I, I realized that we it was changing so fast that we had to make decisions quickly, but they also had to be well reasoned. And those kinds of those sound like they're at cross purposes, but you have to get all the information you can and make the decision because things was they were happening that fast, you know, where first they said, well, let's kind of like separate some people. Do we have masks or don't like, we were going to go mask mandatory well in advance of, of, of a lot of places. We closed some of our, our facilities. I sent people home earlier. Um, those decisions weren't easy to make, but we had to make them because if you recall at the time, certainly in Essex County, Michigan was blowing up with cases and then we started to get cases and then it was like in mushroom, right? Um, I called it sort of the anti-Christmas. Every day I'd come into work, there was a package on my desk and it wasn't good. Um, but we had to unpack it and we had to figure it out. And 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 so I, tremendous amount of respect and admiration for the team here um, because we all kind of sat down and said, but it's even simple things like early on, we were having a meeting. We weren't even calling them pandemic meetings yet, but we were having a meeting about it. And I realized all the key people in my organization were around one table. And this is before anyone was wearing masks. Like we didn't, you know, at that, that, that time were masks good, bad, we didn't know. And I basically said, that's the last time we can do this until this is over. And I had to say, we had to segregate staff in, in what now is known as cohorting, but we kind of did that. And then even with that, then it wasn't more than a few days later, I said, okay, everyone's getting laptops, you're working from home if you can. Obviously our operational people can't do that, but we put in as many different things as we could do here um, and, and tried to create what, what I always called as a laminate of safety and just kind of layer the safety things on top of each other to make not only the staff, but all of our patrons, uh, as, as you know, feel as safe as possible. But then we had to close. We had no flights. Um, it went that fast. It went from, you know, 20, how many, 12, 13 flights a day to seven to five to two to one to zero. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, especially you joining, um, fairly new in the role pandemic hits. Um, then you're tasked with that, right? It's, like a huge amount of work that's put on your plate that you didn't even expect. It was, it was challenging. Um, but again, I think, and that's where I kind of say your response to the problem can be as, you know, as important as the problem itself, because you have, you have to do these things like this. The, the pandemic wasn't going away. All indications at that time where it was going to get worse. And of course it did. So, you know, we had to, we had to have, you know, go from meeting to, to our conference calls to zoom calls or whatever and say, okay, so what are we going to do? How do we do this? What can we do? What, how, 
we can let's look at the customer experience and how can we make them feel safe simple things that we didn't have before like uh, hand sanitization stations we'll order them let's get them put them everywhere you know we to try to facilitate that right and and but we had to stay open you know while we didn't have commercial flights um, you know, we had general aviation and cargo and life flights. And, and, uh, and of course, we didn't know when we were going to welcome back our airline partners. And it was, you know, next month or the month after or whatever. And, and, but it was, it, it was organic. It was like it was ha developing every day. And, and uh, that was a challenge, obviously, but to try and stay ahead of that. And sometimes you have to make some judgment calls of what you think is going to happen and try to stay ahead of it. Well, we're going to do this. Okay. And then, I mean, I can, there was one thing that I wanted to do and we were prepared to do it. And, then all of a sudden some research came out that it wasn't effective. So I called my, he said, we're not doing it. Like scrub that we're stopped. Like we're going to move. And that's, that's, that's the reality. So quick decisions, but well-reasoned, but you also had to be adaptable and flexible to look at the circumstances and, and sort of read what was happening and then respond to that because it was different every day. Um, it, it, for a while it really was. Yeah. And, and I, I think when people think the airport's closed, okay, it's shut down, there's no flights. Can you tell us, I guess, if you can, what behind the scenes things go on when, when the airport shut down that people wouldn't even think of how it's affected you, affected your employees? What's that been like? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great question, Lyndon. And I'll tell you, um, there's a psychological component, too, because we still had to do things in the midst of a pandemic when cases were climbing. So there was a lot of fear, um, you know, about our, our, not only our employees, but also um, patrons, right? Like. Um, we didn't know. I mean, I went, I mean, the last time I flew was early March and I flew to Montreal and there was a few people with masks, but even at that point, people were kind of staring at them because it wasn't common. Um, now, now it's like everyone's hanging their, hanging them from their rear view mirror. Right. So, um, but you know, there was a psychological aspect of it to say, okay, like how can I try to make people feel safe? You know, not just the employees, but also our patrons and, 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 uh, you know, and, and the flyers as well. But it happened very, it, it was, like I said, it was organic. It was every day was changing, um, but we still had to stay open. We have general aviation. We have a lot of, uh, of flyers here of general aviation, uh, you know, corporate flyers. Um, and then uh, we have, we have uh, um, you know, flying schools here as well. We have the Historical Aircraft Association here. We have life flights that come in. We have some cargo that comes in. So you still have, you know, you can't plow the runway from home. I mean, you have to come in. You, you can't service the, the, the airport from home. Um, and even like, you know, payroll still needs to be done and, and, and our checks need to be, we have to pay our bills. So we had to figure a way to do that um, in real time. And, and uh, that was a challenge. But again, I give all credit to the team here that, you know, uh, you know that we all kind of bound together. And, and you know, part of I think part of my job is to try to stitch that corporate fabric a little tighter, right? And and sometimes with with chaos, that's what happens. You 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 learn to adapt and you become a little tighter because you've gone through something. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you're hit with a pandemic, and then you're also hit with another challenge of an air traffic control tower being completely wiped out, right? Um, any valuable lessons you've learned from from that experience? <laughs> well, um, you know, I I, I think. Approaching the NAV Canada issue, which is the tower issue, um, you know, and, and I, I've made uh, no, we've made no bones about that we're going to sort of advocate. I will make, you know, no apologies for advocating on behalf of YQG in this community. And, I, and I'm on record and the mayor's on record, who's my board chair as well, of saying that. And, um, you know, we took the education component of it or to give them the information that we thought they needed about the uniqueness of our airspace 
to heart. And we put in a very robust submission to NAVCAN to explain why we need a tower here. We need a controlled tower here. Um, you know, and you don't, again, like we've had a mid-air collision here in 1979 in our airspace. So, um, you know, we took that seriously and our stakeholders did a fantastic job of, of communicating that to NAV Canada. And, and we're waiting to hear from NAV Canada in terms of that. Um, but again, yeah, that was another challenge that uh, came on the heels of, of, well, not even on the heels because there's, the pandemic is still going on. Um, but, but again, what we, the lessons that we kind of learned, okay, what are we going to do? How do we respond to this issue? So we all banded together and said, okay, so let's build, you know, how is the submission going to look? Um, and then talk to the tenants and then, and then, you know, and it, it just kept going and going and going. And uh, then the next thing you know, it's a hundred page submission with the appendices. And, um, but I, I look at that as a success because everybody understood how important it is. And again, it's a, it's a unique position with NAVCANA because, you know, we're doing this because they are important and the partnership is important. And we think that uh, having a control tower is something that we certainly need here. Yeah, I mean, kudos to you. In a year of, of working at uh, YQG, you're hit with two major challenges. Um, kudos to, I guess, the community, right? Everyone's coming together and, and, and fighting for this uh, very, very important um, issue. And I imagine your your law degree right now has has come in handy. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I've, uh, I, I read legislation all the time and, uh, and certainly I've done that in my prior roles as well, certainly in Amherstburg as the town solicitor there, as well as the other portfolios, but, um, and the tunnel too. So, um, yeah, it is, uh, I, I use my law degree every day and I, and I, I use my, my engineering degree every day. And that's really what I've always wanted to do was be to, to, to be able to switch gears and to use both. Um, um, but yeah, challenges for sure. Um, but, um, you know, we'll overcome the challenges and we'll move forward and, and we're poised for recovery. You know, we're co continually talking to the, our airline partners. Um, we're seeing obviously um, recovery of that sector in the United States. They've had 19 days straight of over a million travelers. Now, um, you know, that's not as much as they had pre-pandemic. They're usually roughly 2.2 to 2.5, but they've had a few days of 60, 65%. So they're certainly moving toward that recovery of, of flying. Um, and you know we're we're ready and 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 capable of, of of supporting that when the time is right. So yes, like yeah, it, the entire industry has has been hit extremely extremely hard. Um, how would you say YQG's pivoted through this this entire shutdown of international travel um, in the community? Well, I think that the first pivot we certainly had to make was we had to, we were going to, at some point, we're going to have to move large quantities of people again. And how do we do so safely? Um, or at least to, to, to give them, give everyone the opportunity to be safe as, as safely as possible. Um, and, and certainly that was looking at every aspect of our terminal, going touchless um, in a lot of areas. Uh, most, I think all of our areas will be touchless soon. And, uh, um, you know, ingress, egress doors that are dedicated, lots of signage, lots of positive guidance, lots of ways that you can, you know, hand sanitizer or, 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 or what have you. Um, it, but again, pivoting was, we stayed open, so we never closed. Um, you know, we did close the terminal to the public because we didn't have a commercial flights. But, you know, in some ways, you know, we, we have the same amount of work to do because the people still are flying in and out. It just wasn't commercial flights because that sector was hit so hard and, and, and still is. Um, but you know our, our flight schools were going and, and, and our general aviation was going and, and cargo uh, cargo actually ramped up. So we still had to do all the things that we would we would have to do normally, but in a very, very different environment with less resources. And um, you know because that was the reality is 
Um, you know, we, we did have to make those decisions, which were hard decisions to make, but we didn't have, you know, like I said, from 12 to 14 flights down to zero for a few months, but we welcomed you know, Jazz or Canada back in, in September. And, and uh, you know, we're hoping to welcome some airline partners soon again. Um, as we move through this, you know, it, it's, it, there's some trepidation, obviously, because we're still, you know, in, in the pandemic, um, but people are getting vaccinated. If you had asked me in August if people were going to be vaccinated by the end of the year, I would have been skeptical, but that's what's happening. So um, that's the good news. Um, I think it's in our DNA um, to travel, um, to see the world, to see the places we want to see, to visit relatives or family or, play, uh, you know, or, or friends. Um, and I think you can, you know, it's our job to try to provide the safest environment as we possibly can. Um, and I think people have gotten pretty used to mitigating the task with what you do and understanding what you have to do to mitigate the risk. And it's our job to provide, like I said, that laminate of safety um, to give comfort. And yeah, like talk about a role where it is, there's a, I imagine there's a huge amount of pressure on your plate. And I think you, you have a unique position in your leadership role is you are the gateway um, really for uh, COVID to travel into uh, Windsor Essex, right? So you're tasked with a challenge that, you know, you're the gatekeeper. How, how do you make sure that the community is safe as possible when um, the airport and the tunnel are, can be completely open and, and if people travel through, that's where the, the risk is to the entire community. So, I mean, yeah, that must, that must be hard for you to, to handle that and uh, make sure you're on top of it. It, it, it is. I, I think, you know, we, we look at stress and, and once you're into community spread, it, it was pretty much everywhere. Um, you know, obviously there isn't a really a corner of the world that, that hasn't been touched by the pandemic. Um, you know, what we didn't know a lot about it in sort of March, April, even into May of last year. Um, I think we know a lot more about it now um, and, 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 you know, the, the mitigation efforts that we have. And, and certainly the, the airlines have done a fantastic job of, of making the aircraft safe. I think we've done a, a fantastic job of making our terminal safe, but it's the same as when you go, um, like I said, we mitigate to task and you go to a grocery store or you go somewhere, you do the things that you do um, to be vigilant. Um, but we know that this virus uh, will look for any crack, you know, and, and we'll try to exploit that. So the vigilance is important. And obviously we have um, our safety meetings all the time, but what more can we do? We keep looking at what more can we can we do? Obviously, we know we're going to get to a point where the vaccines have, you know, we get to that herd immunity. Um, you know when that will be. Um, but I, I know there's a lot of pent up demand to travel, like I said, to see your loved ones and do those things. And we're we're ready um, to to welcome you know to welcome that when the time is right. And I like how you used gateway in there too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, Mark, for, for those watching, I have a, a fairly large audience that's uh, youth. And mm -hmm. I imagine uh, whether they're interested in aviation or they're, they have a law degree, they, I imagine they would think your role is very um, attractive. They, they want to be in your shoes one day. And I think that's the goal for a lot of us to, to mm -hmm. have a team underneath our belt and to have those leadership abilities and qualities that you have. What should someone uh do if they're looking to be in your role one day how should they prepare yeah I, I, that's another good question Lynn. and i and I, I don't know if i got the magic you know the magic wand to say you know um i think you have to know i can go back to that sort of personal scorecard i think you have to know what you want what you like what what you know what, what drives you um because it's going to be a lot easier if you find something that drives you or that you find you're going to be interested every position i've taken was something that i thought would interest me 
Um, but, you know, when it comes down to leading a team or doing those kinds of things, it's not about large shoves. It's about little nudges, you know, to get people on the track. It's about, you know, you earn your money in discrete points of the day, asking the right question, pointing someone in the right direction, giving them guidance or, 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 or you know, or, or, or finding the right questions to help them focus, right, or, or, or what have you. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, um, the trick isn't really um, making the decision itself. Um, I think it's knowing when you have enough information to make it. And that's a difference. You know, there's a real difference to those two things. Um, the, 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 the growth or, the, or how you get to that point of knowing how much, dis how much information you need to make a decision is the real hard part, I'd say, about my job and even other roles I've had. Like, do I need more information if I ask the right questions? And it's asking that idea of what's next. You know, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of the show, The West Wing, which is probably before your time. But anyway, um, and, and they always said that what's next? And they sort of one of the lines I like to use is you peel the onion, like find the layers and peel the onion. Like what if what if we do this? What happens? What decision tree? What happens? And then you can you know, you, you, that starts to happen organically in your organization. And everybody starts to ask those questions and you kind of then you get to that that point where you say, OK, I think we have enough to make the decision. Let's make the decision. Because you can make the decision, but it's really about you know finding how much information you need to do that. And and I think the thing is for you, it's your job to put people in the best position to succeed. I mean that's and and if if they're not, then I think your first place you have to look is in the mirror and say what am I doing, you know, or what can I do to help that? Those are some key things I've learned over the years that I try to apply every day. And um, because you know I think people really are interested in two things: they want to be fulfilled and they want to feel valued. And fulfilled is a little more subjective. That goes back to that scorecard where, you know, what do I want out of my career or, or, or what have you. But valued, I can do that every day. I can try to make people valued every day, understand that they're going to be listened to. I'm going to listen to their point of view. I'm going to engage them. I'm going to ask them their opinion. They have more experience than I do. They know their jobs better than me. Um, and if you do that, you're going to find out that, um, you know, they're going to they're going to succeed. You're going to succeed the corporation and, then see it, and it happens like, again, like I said, organically. I no, I, I think that's awesome, awesome advice that you just uh, you shared with those watching. And I can already tell from our conversation what type of leader you are, and, and um, how how charismatic you are, and and really, it sounds like from what you're saying, you really care about um, your employees. Um, if if you could think of if if somebody's thinking, you know, that Mark Galvin guy, he is what like what would people think of you? What do you think people are, are saying about your type of leadership? Wow, that's oh wow. Okay, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I think I think they do. I'd like to think that they they feel valued. That 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 I'm going to ask them and I'm going to make sure that they you know um, I engage them to say okay. So what do you guys think about this? Or what can we do? I like to put people in a room and and throw it around because the best time to be devil's advocate and to do that is in the boardroom. It's not after you've you know things have fallen apart. That's too late. You have to do that at the beginning. Um, so I, I, the, the type of leader, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a, a great management buzzword. Um, I, I don't really know. I just know that um, I, I do try. I, I take an active interest in in in, in my team, and I want to see them succeed because, frankly, their success is my success, and my success is the corporate success. So why wouldn't you want that? Um, and you know, I know that part of my job is to create, to try and help create a corporate culture that that epitomizes that. And I do try to do that every day, and I try to make sure that that people understand I value them. And you have to have a little fun too. It's been tough this last year, 
but you do. I mean, you have to, you know, you, you don't want people, like I always, I always kind of say like, if you dread Sunday because of Monday, that's a problem. It doesn't mean that you're going to uh, jump out of bed every day. I can't wait to go to work. That's utopian. But if you start to dread Sunday because of Monday, then, then you got to really look and say, okay, you know, I got to change gears here and I don't want any of my employees to dread Sunday. Yeah, no, definitely. And you, you touched on that, making your, your employees feel hurt, right? Having those group conversations, tossing around the ideas around the table. Um, it's not always just your idea, right? It's a team. Well, that, that, that's right. And, and uh, for me to think that I know um, how to do their jobs when they've been, I mean, I've, I've been here a year and a couple months. I mean, it, that would be, uh, this doesn't, you know, that dog won't hunt as I guess they say, right? So so, I mean, like I draw on that experience and, and I ask those questions and I make sure they understand that I ask those questions. So I know not because, uh, you know, I, I want to, you know, I, I need to know the answer. I want to know the answer, but you do have to have that, uh, that sort of, you kind of create that culture, I think where, okay, here's the problem. Let's get the right people in a room. Let's knock around. Let's like, what are we going to do? And you're going to find that when you do that, you know, um, you appreciate their role in your organization more. Um, you start to understand. Um, and then you draw on that too. And, the, and a good leader does that. You say, okay, well, you know, didn't, you know, like, well, we said, well, we had this happen in, you know, uh, you know, 2017 or whatever. Right. And so, okay, so what did we do? What did we learn from it? And sometimes the other thing is that, that sometimes I find what's missing is that when you have a, a crisis and you get past it, you got to do the postmortem. You got to see what worked and what didn't work because that's how you, you know, like I said, you know, you ch choppy waters, right. You, the next time you can navigate it maybe just a little bit better when it's and draw on that experience because you're constantly building that, that foundational experience to get through crisis because, you know, when things are going good, it's great, you know, obviously, but things aren't always going to go good. You know, this last year has, has showed us that and, and you have to be adaptable and flexible and, and, and be able to say, okay, what do we do? What do we think? You know, and, and even when I have ideas, it's okay, let's test my, let's, you know, so what I think, what do you guys think? And, and I'll say, okay, well, okay, well, obviously my idea wasn't very good. I like that better. But I have to be able to do that as a CEO, right? I have to say, yeah, mine's, you know, well, that's a good point. So let's let's switch gears because it doesn't matter. The good ideas can come from anyone. Mm -hmm, definitely. Well, I mean, wow, that was a lot and a lot of insight, I think. And I think our conversation um, was definitely inspired um, tonight. And I think, you know, in the past year and a couple months that you've You've been at YQG and I mean, you have countless roles in other places in the community, but I think you've been doing a, what heck of a job and especially during a global pandemic, um, managing air travel in the community. So Mark, I, I really appreciate your, your time tonight and your insights. Well, thank you, Lyndon. It's, it's been a pleasure and uh, I appreciate your, your kind words, but again, um, it really comes down to the, the group of people that are here um, because there's no way that we could have done um, it all together. It's just, it's just no way. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a real testament to, to the group here and, and, uh, um, you know, that we've, we've navigated, I guess, this, this storm and, and we're not out of it yet, but I think we, we see that there is a, you know, a light at the end, I guess, if you will. Thanks, Mark. And for our 49th episode, my 49th guest, I, I appreciate that. So why not send it off with a virtual cheers? Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you very soon. Thank you.